0: to each and every one of you. Thanks for listening to Near Perfect Pitch. You've tuned in to episode 112. Now episode 112 is what they call a doozy in their popular parlance. It's brought to you by Adam Franklin, swerve driver, and a digestive no less. It's a special digestive mind you. It's adorned with camembert. Yep, Swerve Driver. They've returned to save our souls. And I'll be talking to Adam in a rather lengthy interview at the end of the program. Very interesting stuff. And uh, I know there's loads of you looking forward to this because I've been inundated with email. Anyway, Swerve Driver, end of the program. Usual stuff this week in addition to uh, the special interview. New releases galore, actually, and I'll be kicking things off with uh, something new by uh, Fawns of Love. But uh, in addition to that, we've got our regular features. We've got Tinted Web Time. We've got Losing One Shit. We've got a Weekly Peel, Essential Wax this week, and uh, a new sponsor this week that I'm going to talk to you about. We've got Cover Me. We've got a hat trick, which has a theme, actually. It's actually a Scottish theme this week, and of course, the interview with Mr. Adam Franklin from Swerve Driver at the end of the show. Let's kick things off, shall we, with a little bit of this. I'm
1: Play. Flip the set if it's starting to pray If there's nothing new to crave
0: Single by White Lies from London, and that is a teaser track to their fifth LP, currently titled Five. It's going to be released on February the first on Play It Again Sam Records. And we kick things off with uh, Fawns of a Love, fawns of from Bakersfield, California. That's uh, Fawns of Love with a track off the new LP entitled. Permanent, and that's a tune called December, and also White Lies, who I just uh, mentioned who we played, Whitelies.com, to keep abreast of all things pertaining to them. It's Cover Me time now. It's, uh, well, on a weekly basis, we pay one cover version at least. In this instance, we're at least going to go with one. Here's Cover Me number one, with the possibility of number two forthcoming. I haven't decided quite yet. Here's some Red Cross having a bash at some teenage fan club. <laughs> Limited and that is open and revolving off their sixth LP from 87 called Happy. And before that, we heard Everything Flows by uh, California's Red Cross off What a Concept, a Teenage Fan Club tribute LP released in 2004. And uh, the song concerned, Everything Flows, was Teenage Fan Club's debut single off their debut LP on Paperhouse Records. And uh, that's prior to their signing to Creation Records, of course, from uh, 1990, the original was. And of course, the cover, as I mentioned, was from 2004. We've got to California again for some more Californian content off the new Stuffed and Ready LP. We're going to hear something from Cherry Glazer entitled Daddy. But before we do, I'll let you know what's coming up in terms of new releases. We've already got to a couple. We've already heard uh, some new material by Fawns of Love and uh, and White Lies. You can also hear some new material in the next hour and a half, two hours, by Deer Hunter, Dayflower, The Twilight Sad, Pijama, Steve Mason's new album is amazing. We'll be playing a track from that, uh, something off uh, the latest and second Matiel album from Atlanta. She's been on the programme before. Something will be new for our friends Super 8, Starfish and Coffee, you can look forward to. In as much as there's also a new material by Holiday Ghosts, uh, Paris Street Rebels, uh, a new uh, version of Daydream in Blue by iMonster, which is rather tasty. We've got our hat trick and all the usual features coming up, and our Tint of Time, etc., etc., etc. Here's Cherry Glazer. Where
2: should I go, Daddy? What should I say? Where should I go? Is it okay with you? Who should I think, Daddy? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Who should I go, you? What should I say? Where should I go? Is it okay? Where should I play, where should I go, is it okay with you, how should I fall find-
0: a.k.a. James Chapman of 2013's *Visicitude*, the, the most recent uh, long player by, uh, by Maps on meat Records from 2013, and a track called AMA. And there's a new Maps LP coming out this year, which I'm looking forward to, and I will be talking to James around uh, the release time, which uh, isn't written in stone yet, but that will be at some point this year. And before that, Cherry Glazer from California. Off, uh, the fourth LP entitled Stuffed and Ready. That's Daddy with an I, cherryglazer.bankcamp.com, and that's cherry Glazer with uh, two R's at the end of glazer in case you want to source that and uh, and purchase it. Time for another special feature. This time it's uh, time for our obligatory full art track. This week we're going to go back all the way to the infotainment scan. <laughs> Jones, from 1992. On Cherry Red Records, that's the title track to their WEP, Eyes Wide. And before that, our obligatory fall, track this week, Paranoia Man in Cheap Shit Suit. Again, The Fall, and that's off the Infotainment Scan from 1993, their 15th LP. Now, let's go to Leicester, and here's something by an outfit uh, called Dayflower. They're rather tidy. (laughs) Dayflower.bankamp.com When Matiel was on the show before she got signed to Heavenly Records, and uh, released her debut self-titled brilliant LP, uh, soon to be followed by this uh, LP customer copy, from which this track Game Show is pulled. Matiel M A T I E L dot dot com, and she has a voice from heaven. And before that, from Leicester, great great outfit uh, called Dayflower, Dayflower dot dot com, and that's off their brand new Honeyspun LP, a track entitled Daisy Age Now very appropriately time to lose one's shit, time of the week where you can uh, draw the curtains and parade around with reckless abandon to what is popularly known as a banger. And this is going all the way back to 1990 on Creation Records, A Beauty by Sheer Taft. This Just... is Deer Hunter, the single from last year, and lead track to the brand new and eighth LP. Why hasn't Everything Already Disappeared? Death in Midsummer, and that's on 480 Records. You should really know about Deer Hunter. Go and research them if they're new to you. And before that, Sheer Taft from 1990 on Creation Records, the hypnotone mix of Cascades, and that's this week's installment of Losing One Shit, and that was a track and a half. I remember dancing myself silly to that on countless occasions way, way back when. Let's go to uh, a, new, a new outfit now, actually, a Dutch-German uh, duo, uh, Laura Lauters and Grigor Sonnenberg. They go under the name of The Day. This is off their brand new LP, Midnight Parade, a track called Island. dodgy and that's in a room from 1996's free Suite sweet lp which is this week's essential wax and i'm going to chunter on a lot more about this lp in just a second but before i do before that we heard the day uh, the uh, the German-Dutch duo of Laura Lutters and Grigor Sonnenberg. They're called The Day, and their debut album is called Midnight Parade. You can get it at thedayisaband.bandcamp.com, and that's a track called Island that we heard, and before that we heard Death in Summer by Deer Hunter. Of their new and eighth LP. Why hasn't everything already disappeared on 4AD Records? Back to uh, this week's Essential Wax, which is our uh, recommended LP of the week, if you can't suss out uh, the wording there. And uh, this is great this week because I can tell you that it's categorically brought to you now by Everything Indie Under 40. Now, let me tell you a little bit about them. Everything Indie Under 40 is a wonderful website and community, and you can find them at Everything Indie Over 40. Dot com And let's uh, let's go over what they say on their about page. Top, top people they are. Welcome to everything Indie over 40, a nostalgia-based community that celebrates a golden age of music and its enduring legacy. When we say everything Indie, we mean everything, because Indie music means different things to different people, how right they are. For some, it's post-punk and C86-era jingle-jangle, or Manchester and Britpop. For others, it's industrial shoegaze or even electronica. As far as we're concerned, Indie music is whatever you want it to be. Whether you uh, saw my Jealous God support the Trash Can Sinatra's at the borderline in 1990 was at uh, Main Road in 1996 to see Oasis. We hope there is something for everyone in our community. We also hope this community provides you with an opportunity to be introduced to new musical experiences that you may have missed. How often have we heard, can't believe this band wasn't on my radar back in the day among our online community. We are not constrained by genres and embrace a wide-ranging mix of musical styles from the old to the new. Step inside our website and you will find at the Indie Top 10 Indie Encounters First Track, First Album. the Barney Review, the Indie CV and meet the community. They're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram and I highly recommend that you join this wonderful community and they are now a part of the Near Perfect Pitch community. Fair play to you. Thank you everything Indie Under 40. You lot envelop them and hopefully all that lot will envelop us and we'll just continue to do Great things together. So back to the LP, Dodgy, Three Piece Suite, 1996 on AM Records. Now it's their third of six studio LPs and produced by Hugh Jones. I'll get into Hugh Jones a little bit more uh, after I play one more song off the LP. And in this case, it's one of the four singles, if you're thinking of me.
3: I'm waiting for a friend to come to help me off the ground Better come sooner than later, can't stop So let me know Cause loneliness Seems such a waste I can't stop feeling low I'm searching for to let me know Cause loneliness seems such a waste I can't stop feeling low If you're thinking of me You've got to let me know Cause loneliness seems such a
4: waste I can't stop feeling lost.
0: Sad. That's the arbor of the new and fifth long player. It won't be like this all the time. Again, that's brand new stuff by the Twilight Sad. And before that, actually, before I get to what was before that, thetwilightsad.com is where you can keep posted with all of the happenings. And before that, dodgy, if you're thinking of me, let's uh, wrap up our essential wax, which it's uh, this week's inaugural essential wax as brought to you by Everything Indie Under 40. Everything Indie over forty. That's four zero dot com. Join that community, and. Uh just align with like-minded people who have the same kind of music tastes who like the kind of stuff we like there are people are everything indie under 40 and god bless them so this week's essential wax is free peace suite i didn't mention it's said uh, dodgy's third lp third of six came out in 96 on a m records it reached uh, at the pinnacle number seven in the charts and it's their doubtless highest charting and best-selling lp it uh, spawned four singles if you're thinking on me which you just heard also good enough in A Room, which we heard to uh, to lead off uh, the first of two tracks, and Found You, so four singles in all, and as I mentioned, it was produced by Hugh Jones. Now, Hugh Jones, I'll tell you something, this man has produced an absolute litany of material, and uh, I'm going to run some of these names by you just to give you an idea of the man's experience um in the 70s he's worked with uh, with a whole load of talent including in the end of the 70s working with uh, with simple minds uh, as an engineer on reel-to-reel uh, cacophony then he worked with adam and the ants teardrop explodes the sound at the bunny men's and what else we got here and uh, modern english rubber rodeo school works that petrol Emotion stump voice of the beehive james unbelievable uh, cv hugh jones has ultra vivid scene died pretty kitchens of distinction um of course dodgy as i've mentioned gene the charlatans nuts so uh there you have it everything in the under 40 essential wax for this week dodgy's a free piece sweet steve mason has a new record out it's his fourth solo lp it's called about the light here's rocket Pijama, that's P-I, separate word J-A, separate word M-A, Pauline de Tarragon is a Pijama, and that's off the just released Nice to Meet You album, and that's a track called Pixies, Sylphs and Fairies, PijamaOfficial.com is where you can learn more, and before that, my goodness me, doesn't make bad records. Steve Mason with Rocket Officer fourth solo LP, brand spanking new, called About the Light. SteveMasonTheArtist.com to learn more. Now it's time for another special feature. This time, it's our weekly peel. And this week, we're gonna go back all the way to 1970 with a little bit of Sid Barrett.
2: <laughs> Grooving
5: on down in a trench coat Saturn on trail Seems to be all around In tin and lead Pale we pale Driving on down to the beach To see the blue and the grey
0: that is paris street rebels with i don't want to die young facebook.com slash paris street rebels uk to learn more about them and keep track of their releases and before that it was our weekly peel this week going back to february 1970 with ex-pink Floyd sid barrett of course "Jiggle is his most famous song but that's the peel session version thereof from the 24th of february 1970 we are well over two-thirds through the We've got some new releases to get to in as much as we've also got uh, the hat trick to address and web time. And at the end of the program, you've got about uh, an hour interview with uh, with uh, Adam Franklin from from Swerve Driver and loads of good banter and uh, and three songs, which he chose himself to surround the interview. So you've got that to look forward to as avel, well. Next up, we're going to hear something by I. Monster. Now they're from uh, Sheffield and they had a single many years ago called Daydream in Blue and it was a remix of the Gunter Kalman Choir's version of the Wallace Collections Daydream. They did a beautiful job of it but they've since now just released last week or the week before, can't quite remember, an acoustic version of Daydream in Blue and it sounds very very much like this. That's the Triffids' single and lead track to their fourth of uh, five LPs from 1987's *Calenture*. *Bury Me Deep in Love*. Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. And before that, *Daydream in Blue*, the acoustic version thereof by iMonster Monster, from Sheffield. Now, what's up next? It's a bit of this. <laughs> Well, that means, boys and girls, it's Tinterweb time, and that's our uh, weekly delving into uh, digital ephemera and nonsense. But uh, in this case, I think this is rather interesting for you. I've come across a uh, website called Hitsville, UK. Punk in the Faraway Towns. And I'll give you a little bit of blurb. This website pays tribute to the vast range of seven-inch singles which came under the banner of punk between 76 and 84. It aims to show new perspectives on the development of graphic styles and regional variations in punk identity away from the major metropolitan centres and beyond the key designers of the period who feature in a range of art and design histories. It's a wonderful website, and, uh, and it's full of uh, lots of uh, downloadable material. It's riddled with fantastic links. It's uh, a very, very good punk education. And punk's got this sort of uh, connotation of just being uh, unkempt, unbathed uh, uh, anarchists and reprobates. And those that know, of course, know increasingly differently how uh, it's about a mentality. Punk is a mentality. It's a mindset. Anyway, Hitsville, UK. Punk in the faraway towns. That is this week's Tinterweb Time. Now it's time to hear Sugar Spoon's latest and third single.
3: They say i You say
4: Third in line was me. All of us were ordinary, fancy Cynthia Rose. She always stood at the back of the line, a smile beneath her nose. Her favorite number was 20, and every single day. If you asked her what she had for breakfast, this is what she'd say Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam, butter, got pies, and a tangerine, a side order of ham. If you set your mind free, baby, you'll understand Stop and coffee, maple syrup and jam oh let me tell you now oh 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 Cynthia wore the prettiest dress with different color socks Sometimes I wonder if the mace were in her lunchbox me and Lucy opened it up when Cynthia wasn't around Lucy cried, almost died You know what we found Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam Butterflies, plastic, tangerine, side order of ham If you set your mind free honey, maybe you'd understand Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam Oh, we sing singing Cynthia had a happy face, just like the one she draw on every wall in every school. But it's all right for a worthy cause. Go on, Cynthia. I keep singing, style fish and coffee, maple syrup and jam, butterscotch clouds and tangerine, side order of ham. If you set your mind free, baby, maybe you'll understand Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam Oh-ho, we were singing Oh-ho, maple syrup and jam Oh-ho, yeah, we were singing Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam
0: probably guess and be right in thinking that's called Starfish and Coffee. And it is. It's by Super 8. It's their latest single, trip8.bandcamp.com. I think I've played the last five singles by Super 8. They are rather, rather good. And you can get all the material at trip8.bandcamp.com. And before that, Never Grow Old by Sugar Spun, their latest and third single. It's out on February the 8th. Soundcloud.com slash Music to learn more about them. Now it's time to squeak in a hat trick before I chuck in another couple of releases before we have that big chat with uh, Adam from Swerve Driver. This time, there's a theme to the hat-trick this week. It's Scottish, starting off with this immense track by Closed Lobsters. hat trick for you. And a good one it was too. I reckon that was Summertime by Lucia, a quartet from Glasgow off last year's Cheap Talk EP. Facebook.com slash Lucia Music X and that's Lucia L-U-C-I-A. In the middle squeaked in there there was there will be fireworks from their second and last lp from 2013 the dark dark bright that's a track called young blood there will be fireworks.bandcamp.com the two lps of theirs are deleted but you can get them in digital format on their bandcamp page there will be fireworks.bandcamp.com and before that my favorite single from 2016 favorite ep desire and signs by Close Lobsters, and that's Under London Skies, The Standing Stone mix, Facebook.com/slash/closelobsters. Well, it's here something that isn't quite released yet. It's off their forthcoming LP to be released on February the fifteenth. It's Holiday Ghosts, and this is a track off West Bay Playroom, their second LP, and a track called Slipstream. Holiday Ghosts.bandcamp.com. <laughs> track to the brand new sixth and phenomenal Swerve Driver LP Future Ruins which we're going to talk a lot more about and we being myself and Adam but before I get into more and more Swerve Driver I'll let you know what we just heard prior to hearing Future Ruins the title track to the brand new Swerveys LP. We heard Slipstream by Holiday Ghosts off this year's uh, West Bay Playroom LP their second LP to be released the day after Valentine's Day. They're from Falmouth and they are rather tasty. Holiday Ghosts Bankamp.com. now back to swerve driver oh my goodness me the lp was released officially this week after being uh, released a month prior to people who uh, went through the pledge site and uh, they including myself got the lp a month early so we've had the luxury of listening to it for quite some time now and i hope that uh, a lot of you have got it in your hot little hands And if you haven't after hearing some of the material and hearing the interview with adam i'm hoping that you will delve into your wallets and, and get on get on it and uh, get yourself some Swerve Driver material. One more song before we get into the interview. Let's hear another song off the album. Uh, incidentally, Adam chose all three songs here. I asked him to kindly curate them. He chose Future Ruins, which you've just heard. And now it's time for The Ascending, an LP track of the magnificent new sixth Swerve Driver LP, Future Ruins. Future Ruins. <laughs> Swerve Driver, an LP track off the brand new Future Ruins LP. And that was over to myself and Adam, and we're going to have a chat right now about all things Swerve Driver and lots of other things too. Enjoy it. I'll be back with one more Swerve Driver song as chosen by Adam to play before I say my goodbyes. Enjoy this. Hello. Hello, Adam. It's Tara. How are you doing? Very well. How are you? Not bad at all, all things considered. Whereabouts are you currently? I'm in Oxford,
6: England.
0: Okay, so you, you're home then. I just wanted to qualify that you were sort of tucked away nicely at home and not in a, ho- yeah. a hotel or something like that. Yeah, no, no, not
6: out, you know, in the wild weather or anything. Just, just uh, home, and relaxing.
0: Lovely. Well, that, that's how it should be. I'm looking out my window here in Canada, and, and it is wild weather. It's minus twenty out here, and it's not pleasant oh, wow. at all. But um, let's let's just talk. Let's just talk about the state of the union, shall we? Because lyrically, this record it's a brilliant record by the way and I'm sure that you don't need telling that but um, oh, thank you. well it's entirely true and, and being a fan from inception and actually had the privilege of, uh, of interviewing you guys on, on a few occasions back in the day um, oh, right. it's 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 lovely to, to 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 love bands from inception and never get diddled by them <laughs> if you know <laughs> what I mean in terms of being yeah. consistently consistent and um, as That's I. Die, great. Yeah, well, well, you know. Also, if you are a if you are a stickler for, for for Adam's material, you you lot listening out there, of course. Well, you have to you have to take advantage of all his solo works and and, and collaborations, which are are almost beyond uh, the capabilities of Wikipedia. I hate to say right now, Adam. <laughs> well,
6: possibly. I mean, I guess Wikipedia has sort of been proved to I don't know not be quite the gospel truth. Uh, Initially,
0: it appears to me. <laughs> no, no, but sometimes it's all you've got, especially if someone's got like a diverse oh, yeah. discography, such as yourself. You have to you have to dig and just make sure you're a completist because sometimes you sneak stuff out there, which is very, yeah. very, very naughty of well, you.
6: <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, I remember, you know, around about the time of doing all those solo albums, uh, we started sort of uploading the album itself onto Wikipedia, sort of linked to Adam Franklin or Boltzmann or whatever. Yeah. And, and so we did it for the, you know, album, the um, Spent Bullets, and then I can see for a thousand years, I think, and then the, the fourth album. Suddenly, it was all kind of redlined, and it kind of said, "You do, you did not have the authority to sort <laughs> of host on this." And I was like, "Wait a minute," you know, and I kind of replied, "No, this is me, and this is my music." And then, you know, Wikipedia was just being asked about it, really, you know. Oh dear. So, so then it's funny when they, that message comes up saying, uh, "Help, please help fund us." It's like, well. I don't know. Yeah, you know, maybe you're
0: on your own there. You know. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure that they're, they're monetized quite quite handily, without without the yeah. the general public having to stump up a fiver every six months. But <laughs> but, yeah. but but I digress. I, I wanted to. I wanted to because I've had a lot of dialogue. Obviously, uh, got lots of friends and family who still reside back home, and um, with recent oh. events, recent events. Let's just say the last three days, <laughs> um, this future ruins LP lyrically is beating the crap out of me. And I hope you understand what I mean by that.
6: Well, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, you know, I mean, obviously the title track, the first line is, we are ruled by fools. And, you know, <laughs> as of today, we've got the the US government's in shutdown and the UK government's in complete and utter chaos. So is kind of competing to have the worst
0: government right now. Yeah, it's almost like the, the Olympics of international twattery uh, that we just... It is, <laughs> <laughs> <we> just watch... <laughs> There's a particular lyric that that, that just... To, you know, it doesn't, doesn't doesn't warm my soul, it does the polar opposite, but it's just one of those stark reminders. We've stumbled into the end of days where the future comes home to cry. Oh,
6: uh, yeah. Well,
0: I'd hasten to say that that's almost prophetic and, and intensely morbid. Yeah. <laughs>
6: Well, it is really, you know, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I think some of the stuff on this album is kind of sci-fi in a way. And I think that image of the future coming back to cry, for some reason, for me, I picture some sort of, uh, you know, kind of panel of, of a sci-fi comic book, you know. Yeah. But you know that the uh, the teardrop explodes. you know, The the name of that band was from like one panel of a picture, you know. Yes. And some uh, and somehow that's what occurs to me, you know, the future coming back and saying, you know, the future
0: as a sort of, like, a character in itself saying, you know, I'm so sorry or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, science, sci-fi and and moving parts and combustion engines have always been a part of your lyrics, but I'm not sure that these are purposely political, or is it just a catharsis in terms of your sentiment, you know, the lyrics particularly on this record?
6: I think it's a catharsis, yeah. I mean, you know, the idea of being d- deliberately political. I mean, I think everyone shied away, didn't they, after of the red wedge and stuff in the 80s. And, and just, you know, and the Boy George song, War is Stupid, which is completely a great, you know, sentiment. It was a bit too simplified. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> you don't want to write a song as well, it ends up being kind of tied to its era. Because you might write the song and then whoever you're writing about, you know, it's gone the next week, and by the time the record comes out, it's it's already outdated. So, I, I guess it's more as general comment. I mean, I, I think people have been saying, you know, um, we're ruled by, f- by fools for a long time, really. You know, I mean, it's like a sentiment that goes back whenever there's democracy and kind of opposition to whatever the government's in charge are, are doing. You know,
0: absolutely, but, um, absolutely. Any any society, I'm sure, is at their equivalent of this kind of. Uh, disquiet that's for sure but this is you now have the forum of obviously hundreds of thousands of people um paying attention to to the words that you write so do do you when you write something that's poignant or or you believe to be poignant or just organically happens do you ever sort of retrospectively think hang on a minute i've got a lot of responsibility here uh and there's a lot of impressionable minds out there at the same time or is that something you don't really give an awful lot of thought to and just hope that people have got the intelligence to interpret the lyrics as as you intend
6: well, it's probably a bit of both, I suppose. I mean, I think, you know, I think there is a responsibility really, you know, to, if there are people listening to whatever, you know, media you're kind of working in, you know, to be, uh, you know, to, to have some forethought and be kind of measured and not just uh, sort of ranting or kind of encouraging uh, division, you know. Yes. But at the, but at the same time, it, you know, yeah, I mean, it wasn't conscious in, in the sense that, like, yeah, like you say, it's a catharsis and it's just... You find yourself sort of writing about about these things, you know, that just because they're more to the forefront yes. of your mind because of what's going on, really,
0: Only you know. affect your day to day, and it's sort of unavoidable. I would expect. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, as we sit right now, correct me if I'm wrong. We're eight days away from release, is that right? Uh, yeah,
6: I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 17th today. Yeah, 25th it comes
0: out. Yeah. And it's well. Well, first of all, you must be immensely chuffed and congrats. But but, but rarely do we see something. Of, of the likes of four teaser singles prior to a record.
6: Yeah, it's kind of odd though. I was talking about this to somebody earlier on saying that just before Christmas I went and saw Teenage Fan Club play in London. Oh,
0: the so. reunion, that must have been marvellous. Was Brandon on yeah, drums? Brandon on drums? Yes, it,
6: it was that night, it was yeah. the bandwagon S night. You know? So it, it was great, you know, it's a great thing to because Jerry's obviously, I guess he's not doing it
7: no, now. No, he doesn't, so.
6: want, doesn't want the travel. But, yeah, that, yeah. I guess that, that seems to be what it's about, you know. So it was, yeah, it was good that they did three nights and had all the different lineups, you know. Brilliant. But it's also because you know I bumped into a few of the Creation Records folk, you know, people that work there and stuff, and everyone was like, hey, how's it going? You know, that's some, you know, you've got a record coming out. Oh, how's it going? And I was just saying to them, that's you know, it's kind of crazy. We've done four, you know, four singles in in four months as a sort of prequel to the album, which of course wouldn't have happened back then because it. Didn't, more spread out over time, really. You
0: know? Oh yeah, um, plus plus three B sides per release as well.
6: Well, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, We used to have, you know, he sort of release an album with the stuff before the album came out back then. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, I, I think with this, yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I think we were we were happy because we actually wanted to get the album out before the end of the year, and then it got you know time went by and things were still not in place, and it kind of made sense to sort of wait till. January of 2019, you know, and people are saying, you know, it's kind of more exciting because it's the new year. This is a new thing from this year, or whatever. Yeah. So, although we were reluctant initially, you know, that the, the 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 pill was sweetened by the fact that they suggested, you know, having four releases in the four months leading up. So, yeah, it was quite, I mean, quite sort of intense. You know, we were sort of getting videos together, and it's all kind of like a, you know, barrage of stuff on social media, which. Uh, you know, we've tended to shy away from uh, a little bit, and uh, and so now, yeah, there are labelled people. there kind
0: of, uh, you know, fighting that fight as it were. You know, well, I think I think that you, your befriending of social media with this record is may have proved a point that uh, it's a uh, it's a great it's a great forum for you. I think your fan base are very receptive to it, and I think that the yeah. this organic release of four four teasers, if you like. I'm not saying it's unprecedented, because I'm not not the oracle of all musical information, but it's something that is an anomaly, that's for sure. Uh, But but it's a a great gradual introduction to the record. It's almost like uh, dipping your toe in. Um, And and, uh, there are some similarities with this album and the one before, in in that you literally were gigging your backsides up and then straight into the studio to to, to lay down tracks and then then quickly get into... uh, into was the, that then getting in with TJ, I guess, in, in this instance, yeah. but a very similar dynamic touring, touring, touring into the studio, yeah. tons of ideas on the table, and then quickly turning it around.
6: That's exactly it, yeah. Because I mean, especially with the, the you know, obviously, the last album, the previous album, I Wasn't Born to Lose You, was the first one for 17 years. That's always, always going to be, you know, a sort of a question mark. It's like, oh, you know, you're doing this comeback album, there's going to be. Sort of narrative that it's a band that's come back, so yeah, you know, yes, yeah, put a fair amount of thought into it. Like our thinking was, it couldn't just be, you know, as if we'd released eight or whatever, seven albums in between, and this was, you know, the next one along. It, you know, for us, it had to lead on from the previous album, which was in uh, 1998. So yeah, um, so, yeah so, so we had to we had to consider that, but. Yeah, we, both. I mean, on, on that album, we did, yeah, we went to the studio straight after playing Rays. You know, we were doing these shows where we played the debut album, its entirety. Yeah, and it just, it, it just felt like a, you know, that felt like the perfect time to record. Like you just been out on the road, yes, yeah, yeah, seeing the whites of the eyes and the <laughs> the front row of the crowd, and uh, you know, and uh, and you're in the studio thinking, right, we've got to deliver something that those people last night or you know, two nights ago or whatever. Would have you know? Would responded
0: rather than yeah. Goodness like me, we got fans. We've got to satiate the yeah. masses. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Not> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so is that dynamic being similar? Of course. That, then, then you took, um, then you took the uh, the vocals and the overdubs down to Brighton, I believe, with with TJ. That's uh, right. Yeah. And um, so, so, how long have you been uh, sort of professionally involved with with TJ? I'm just curious. Well, I mean, professionally
6: involved, you know, as regards Swerve brother, only since, uh, you know, September of 2017
0: when we started the album. Okay, so it's a, it's a new thing. I just wanted, just wanted to just sort of put that into context.
6: Well, it is, but I mean, the thing is that we've known him since the early 90s, because he used to come to our shows, and you know, he was a big fan. Like, That's
7: right.
6: You know, we'd playing in New York in the early days, and he'd be there. So the first time I saw TJ was stood right in front of me probably at some show. You know. <laughs>
0: with with a T-shirt, came... with a Swerve driver T-shirt on. Yeah, yeah
6: exactly, you know, yeah. <laughs> And then, and then I ended up moving over there, and you know we were buddies. We lived, we lived close by, and everything, oh, so we were friends for a long time. And in the interim period that of Right between Swerved and recording albums, he had this career that suddenly took off. He went to engineering school, yeah. and then suddenly he, he was literally the, you know, the whiz kid, you know, on the, on the block or whatever, um, and did like the Sonic Youth albums, working with uh, Joanna Newsom and Stevie Dan and. You know, Stephen f- Malchmas. L- Lou, Lou, Lou Reed, for goodness sake. Lou Reed, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he did a session, and it was weird. He did some sort of like demo session that was just him and Chris Martin from Coldplay. What? And then at the end of the session, it was just, he said it was just him, Chris Martin, and, and Gwyneth sat there having a chat. And then at the, during the chat, she turned to him and said, You know, you should get this guy to record the next term. She was just very open. <laughs> she just found him, yeah, she just got on with him, you know cool so um, yeah yeah so, so it was good because TJ then went through a bit of a more difficult period and he hasn't done so much stuff of late you know but I mean it made sense for us to to um, to, to work with him because you know he, he's been a fan since back in the day he's a Grammy award winning engineer <laughs> yes. and he knows every single song in the back catalogue so yeah that, that was a joy to finally set that
0: up oh that must be fantastic you know working with someone who's enthusiastic knows you is competent and 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 as a friend, wow! You've covered all—you've covered all the bases there. It seems absolutely. Yeah, what could be better, Yeah. Too right, and you know, we've talked about you talked about rather the seventeen-year gap between 99th and uh, yeah, I wasn't born yeah. to lose you. Well, of course, the first—the first LP, which which made which made uh, all the waves, which was our you know our, our introduction. Um, self-produced endeavor of course, and then 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 uh, a lot of a lot of work with Mr. Mulder of course, yeah. who yeah. Uh, is uh, well he's a CV unto himself. I mean we all know that <laughs> uh, Absolutely. And then, then sort of getting back into the self-produced realms again with with uh, you know I wasn't born, obviously engineers and people helping, but ultimately you're you're in control. Now now when you're talking about self-production on a scale of one to ten, how comfy are you in that environment, as opposed to handing it off to an Alan?
6: Well, the thing is that Alan himself describes himself as an engineer, you know, I mean, he doesn't like to describe as a producer, and I suppose producer in the end means that the band have the last say, really, you know, it's like, you know, we go in the room, make, it, make a noise, come back in, listen to it, it sounds noisy, but there's something in there, and then, I, and then Alan would say, OK, you know, go out, you know, have a beer or something, go, play okay, a game the pool or whatever, and come back in and I'll, you know, come back in and see if you think, if we come back in and suddenly it would sound like a song because Alan had found all the frequencies, you know, he'd found a place to put that guitar and, you know, park it over to the left, a place to put, to, to get the bass sounding good over here, and it was all kind of, you know, so he would kind of lay the bed then, you know, and then, you know, on top, you know, production, I suppose, it's just like, you know, we want to have a backwards bit here, you know, what, one thing that Alan Boulder hates is, is uh, backwards guitars and stuff because he thinks it's too much of a sort of 60s cop-out you know like yeah. uh, the, the Beatles quite heavy you know like, if there's any backwards guitar that certainly wasn't Alan producing you know but I mean the, the first album was strange because uh, you know we had done the three or three EPs and suddenly had lots of people coming up like hey you know let me produce you know I'll I'll make stars out of you and, and whatever you know <laughs> yeah. we were just thinking we were just uneasy, you know. Yeah. And there were, I mean, there were three, there were a few interesting offers. I mean, one were a couple of bass, well, there was um, Jamie from the Cult, bass player in the Cult, yeah. who was interested in producing no, right. our first album. And he was the nice last guy I met him, you know, And then there was Andy Taylor, the guitar player from Duran Duran. I guess he just left Duran Duran. He was getting <laughs> production, and it was like he wanted to produce the album. But all these things didn't sit right with us, really, you know. And we just needed to sort of hunker down. And, and kind of do it ourselves. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, but we hoped to find something that you know we felt understood us, and that was Alan Mulder, who I first met at the bar at you live in, London. You know, trying to get served a drink and a, and a gig. You know, loads of people crowd around the bar, and this guy suddenly shouts across, "Oh, you're you the singer from Sowbrow, aren't you?" And I said, "Yeah, who are you?" I said, I'm Alan Mulder. I'm I produce records. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I know you." And I said, "We should work together." He said, "I think we should." And that was that was a <laughs> and and it was like more of a sort of like you mentioned one of the boxes to tick being having somebody who's a friend I mean Alan was just you know on the level guy and you know he's he's, I think that's his great talent uh, in general you know I mean he was the one person that could tame or that could uh, you know make Loveless the MV, album, you know, make it make sense, because I just Kevin in their head and just thought, you know, it, this, this guy's the dude, sort of I think
0: so. so, I don't think anyone else could have made sense of that, oh that's for sure, that was, <laughs> it was no. a, that's a, that's a unique thing in itself, um, but, yeah. but, but when it, when it comes to, um, to, to Alan as well, I mean, anecdotally, I, I've just had a, a chat with Piroshka, which is, uh, Mickey's new band from Lush, which oh, yeah. I'm sure you've heard of, it and, they, they employed Alan's services, but could only afford, afford him on one track. Um, but they were obviously yeah. delighted to work with him. And of course, I've got anecdotes galore from uh, from Tony Halliday and Dean Garcia for obvious reasons. And uh, yes.
6: but, but, but but the, the general. Well, I mean, so go ahead, Alan. Go ahead. Well, I'm able to say, yeah. I mean, the last album, um, I wasn't able to lose you, which we wanted Alan to produce. But it, yeah, you know, it's the same situation. We couldn't really afford him. You know, we spoke with his manager and He loved the demos and everything. And he said, you know, you know, it was clear we couldn't, yeah, you because know, he, he could be making a lot my doing whatever doing kind of Led Zeppelin or something, you know. So, but, but but he really wanted, you know, but he said, let's record it at our place and so we did the mixing. Sorry, not yeah. the recording, the mixing. Yeah. is' in studio. And he was sort of like initially kind of, you know, executive producer. Like he popped, the first day he popped in, and said, oh, sounds good. But I mean, by the second day, we realised that John, he's kind of like... Um, you know, he, John sort of, John Catlin, yeah, uh, sort of studied under him kind of thing. So he knew a lot of the moves and had the same kind of temperament and, and sense of humor and stuff. And, uh, and so we felt, you know, totally comfortable doing it with him and then, and then we used it again uh, to mix this uh, this new album.
0: Brilliant. Because I mean, the, the relationship between John and, and, uh, and Alan is sort of like the Jedi Padawan thing, I think. Um, <laughs> That's that's the way I can analogise it because yeah. I think he's eat, breathed, and drunk everything that uh, Alan's thrown his way and absorbed, yeah. absorbed everything. Yeah, which yeah. is, which is superb. It. So, it's so we've qualified that. So, so just at that time too, though, just curiously, you know, the 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 arrival on Cherry Red Records, who I've got a lot of love for, for obvious reasons, because of what they yeah. do, what they've done, and what they continue to do. Um, but then, of course, the, the, the new record uh, with with the Mogwai connection. Um, yeah. Was was that just something that Cherry Red was just good at the time, and it just didn't didn't uh, present itself as an option for, for for future Ruins or was it a concerted decision to go somewhere else?
6: Yeah, I mean it, it was a one off deal, so oh. you know, and um, yeah, we kind of put it out with a distribution company in, in the states, and and then in the UK, John Reed and process, and yeah, same as you, I mean, Cherry Red is a legendary kind of label, you know, I remember. Having the pillows and prayers out today, you know. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, obligatory we'll, that wasn't
6: it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we were very happy to work with it, But you know, I think I think has got you know, it's, a, it's just a different sort of tempo or something. I mean, I mean, their main thing really is, is kind of you know reissues and stuff. You know, a lot of box sets and things. Yeah. And maybe not that much sort of presence in in Europe, which we never really had that much. But. Because Mogwai have this, this reach because they're huge everywhere, you know, and so they got good distribution on the continent and stuff as well. So, you know, and uh, we've known them for a long time. And,
8: uh, you know, I saw sort of Stuart,
6: you know, beautiful last one or whatever it was, sort a of, uh, minor victory show at Oxford. And he just said, well, well you know, we'd like to put the album out if there's a new album in, in the works. Super. So, That's it's like, yeah, it's wonderful
0: it's- how that works. You, you, you seem to do all your business at gigs, it seems, Adam
6: that's <laughs> true that's very
0: true yeah 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 just just noisily uh, talking to people over the, the, the hubbub of the bar yeah well because the Mogwai the Mogwai brand slash franchise slash Stuart is also synonymous with, with, with the moving image as well which I know you know Swerve drivers has always, always paid immense detailed attention to, to the aesthetic the moving image and the still image I was just interviewing her just last week I had, the, I had a nice chat with Evie Vine and uh, she, she was, uh, has been working with, with Craig Murray, who, of, right. of, of course, is, uh, is, 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 is the chap behind all of the, the wonderful video uh, that's part of, of, of the Mogwai franchise as well. So oh, I think once you, dip, you turn on the water <laughs> with, with Mogwai audio-wise, you might get sucked into it into a video capacity as well.
6: Well, yeah, I wouldn't complain, really. But I, yeah, I thought it was great when they did that the uh, music to that French zombie thing. Uh, yes. They on yeah, that was pretty good. You also I did also, Zidane, right? I did, yeah, did Zidane thing exactly. You know, so yeah. I mean, that's that's sort of dream work, really. You know, just to get there. And uh, I mean, we, you know, we, uh, we've done a little bit of sort of uh, movie the uh, songs for movies, just one or two really, But I mean,
0: uh, yeah, I think uh, actually, that sort of a soundtrack would be quite nice. Well, I, I was actually that's, <laughs> you've actually sort of uh, addressed one of my questions because uh, having having. Been lucky enough to to, to have, have followed your career since since the beginning and and believe I'm a completist although there'll be some boffin out there probably T J himself so now you're missing all this <laughs> stuff but, um, yeah. but all that aside um, I've lost my train of thought here um, I was gonna I was gonna bring up something and I completely lost my train of thought I do was that back at all? Yeah it was it'll, it'll come it'll come back to me it'll come back to me I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll ask you another question now how about this one um, aside from Drone Lover um, are there any other tracks on the LP that really predate uh, the record in terms of, you know, timing? Is, have you had some of this stuff in the can before or, or is it mainly all fairly contemporary?
6: Well, yeah, I mean, friend Love certainly and then Good Times so hard to follow as well, which uh, was composed really around the same time as Deep Wound, which was the sort of comeback song yeah. before before the album. So I mean, those two songs existed together, but then we never quite sort of, you know, Turned um, good Times are so hard to follow into into an actual song, you know. I mean, in the end, it, actually, what it is is a reworking of an older song of the birds, anyway. Yeah, yeah, But but also, I mean, the last song, Radio Solid there, there was a B-side, uh, one of our very last sort of EPs of the nineties. Um, I guess the Wrong Treats song from like uh, 1993, yeah. And it was a three-song the EP. There was a Tyrannosaurus Rex coming version, Chateau, and Virginia Waters, but also yeah. this song, um, Homeless Homecoming, and Homeless Homecoming is just something like a, a studio jam, really, you know, which we just thought of rather cool and just messed around with. And um, but it does have a, it has a sort of hint of a vocal. It's not really a full vocal, but it's it is the same sort of melody as um, the vocal on the Radio Silence and so that kind of. Links straight back to, to 1998
2: itself, really.
0: Though. Well, there were a few things like that that I was curious about because they almost seemed like country cousins, and, and I just wanted to make sure that it was concerted or if it was purely by happenstance. Right. And, and if, if, if Julie What's answered, well, I think it's a. We're well, talking about the, the, tr- the track there that, uh, that that refers to the birds, it almost sounds like a reworking. And, and it it, it sort is, of, really. Yeah, yeah. Because we've always done that. I mean, we had like, yeah,
6: the very first EP we ever did. Well, no, not the very first EP, but the first demo tape had a song called Afterground, which is on the second EP, yeah. which then would work to score and scream on the big side of the third never lose that feeling. And, um, you know, there are all sorts of other things. I mean, there's a guitar melody and Sci Flyer that also reappears in a different key on, on Deep Sea. So, he, I mean, even yeah. you know, on the first album, decide
0: quick that have yeah yeah <laughs> and again so someone who who can't play a note who you know who recognized that very early on in life and became a dj and an audiophile it's it, it's particularly difficult for people who don't play music and, and it, you have to if you've got the opportunity to ask ask the person who wrote it I'm certainly going to take that opportunity and yeah, and yeah. And back back to my amnesia about five five minutes ago. It was it was it was about the sound about the soundtracking. What I've always thought, and, and I'll, I'll rewind there, is, is that you know being, being lucky enough to have followed your career from inception, is I've always thought that there's a place for you somewhere somehow. Uh, in, in, in the world of, uh, of soundtracking, and especially with the way that our viewing has changed with the dawn of Netflix and the box sets Ooh. and, and uh, almost superseding. I mean, I, I just don't remember the last time I sit down and, and, and want to watch a movie with my wife. It's it's, it's usually a yeah. series or one that we're watching or juggling yeah. two or three at the same time. So, of course, the necessity for music is, just by, by virtue of there being more content out there, there's a, there's a need for it. Yeah. But I, I'm finding that the best programs, the ones that I endorse and the ones that I like, very selfish and subjective. They're synonymous also too with very very um, uh, uh, great soundtracks. Yeah, that have yeah. involved not not some arbitrary. All well, that sounds all right, but a lot of, a lot of time and thought. Yeah. Oftentimes, um, oftentimes these shows are now, ironically, then p- sort of presenting new bands to me that I've never flipping heard of. It's another, yeah. it's another way to discover music. That's great. I think. I mean, I think.
6: Oh, yeah, I think the quality of the music in a lot of these kind of Netflix type sort of. Series and stuff, he, like you say, is extremely high, you know. And sometimes i kind of watch these things with headphones on it, and you get, you know, and then you, and the music comes in, and there's a stereo spread going on, yeah. And, um, you know, I, mean, I think there's possibly, you know, you have to think about the fact that people don't really buy records anymore. And so, for a lot, I think for a lot of musicians, it's like that's somewhere where there's actually money where you get paid up front, you know. So, exactly, I think a lot. You know, I think, I'm think i sure there's a lot of people just sort of bypassing the whole idea of putting out their own music and, and instead doing doing this kind of soundtrack sort of work, you know, because, you know, there's there's actually a living to be made from, uh, from doing that. I mean, the, the, there's a thing on recently, um, on the BBC, I think, which was um, about a, a guy that was a paganist during the war, and... Uh, a friend of mine, Ann, has been doing a lot of music for BBC staff and, and films as well, and, and she did music for that, so I remember watching that with headphones on, and there's a, a certain scene where it's like, you know, a great stereo spread, and, you know, it's just great that people are actually, uh, you know, musicians are at least, um, you know, kind of, things are rewarding in, the, in that field.
0: Well, my goodness, I mean, that kind of leads me sort of uh, laterally to, to another question, but I'll just touch upon it now, and I'll revisit it in about five minutes, but it was... Talking about the streaming and, and the remuneration, which which is obviously an insult to, to, to the vast majority of artists in terms of what you get, in terms of uh, a fraction of a, of a of a pence or a cent per stream. Mm. But before I get there, I just want to ask you about about. <laughs> I just had a good laugh reading about um, uh, at the time uh, when when uh, you were recording Spike Flower, the little the little, uh, uh, the little uh, exchange with Tom Verlaine and, and, and <laughs> television being you know plumped right adjacent to you while you were recording the single.
6: Yeah
0: which is ultra well, yeah. cool ultra cool
6: yeah I mean you know there's well, we were staying in downtown LA just down the road from the Terra Brown Ballroom and, uh, and they were playing on the Saturday night right? well you know let's go down there and, uh, and it was great you know because I hadn't seen television before and you know television's a great band and, and it's always been I mean it's never been a band that's been an absolute favourite of ours but I think there's a sort of uh, yeah, there's some sort of connection. I mean, we, we did do a, a, a television song on the last, you know, around the time of uh, I Wasn't Born to Lose You, a cover version of it, for Days. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that story was like, yeah, I mean, on the Sunday, I just saw, I saw oh, the, there goes the Lane And then he got into a car and then the car sped off. <laughs> and then, then Jimmy had this riff. And so that was in my head. And, and somehow in my head, this song sounded like television, but in the end, uh, it doesn't sound like very much like them, but that was the kind of seed of the uh, the inspiration. Right? Well, that
0: was, that's pretty cool. Just just you know, just poking head out of a building, and there's Tom It Doesn't happen every day. Um, <laughs> yeah. ben, you touched upon this earlier about uh, about Jerry from TFC, and, and, and um, yeah. I-, I want to talk about. You know simultaneously mixing LPs and touring and, and I mean you're not uh you're the polar opposite of a slouch so, so I'm just wondering do, do you find this output is, is it a strain is it a double is it something in between is it something that you're impelled to do do you ever relax because you're always you're always behind a board or, or got a guitar in your hand it seems well I mean impelled is a good word I
6: think you know I mean I think you always want to excuse me you know do do more stuff you know and uh... And um, you know, and, and there's always that strange lag that you get as a, a musician. You know, like when this album was finished, really, it's mixed and mastered in in June. You know, so that was when we were listening to it, and then you kind of know that you've got, you know, five or six months before anybody's really going to hear it. Yeah. And you just, uh, and you sort of hope that it still works for you by the time it comes out and works for everybody else. But I think. You, you kind of get a second win because people then start, of, uh, you know, telling you that they love certain tracks or whatever, and uh, and you get a sort of second appreciation. But I mean, yeah, I mean you're always thinking about the uh, the next thing, really, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but also having a deadline is a good thing. And I think, you know, we kind of set ourselves the deadline because we didn't really have any labels in place, so we knew we had this term. Going on in Europe, where we were playing Raise the Mess again, and yeah. um, you know, and and um, it seemed like a good way as well of hearing mixes whilst we're out on the road, you know, because it keeps everything sort of like in the same place in a way, you know, because I think there probably is a potential. So I mean, if you did go into the studios and record now and after six months or a year off, you haven't played a gig in all that time, you know, potentially you could. Sit down, cross-legged on you know, beanbags, and do something that's kind of missing the point of the band. But I think if you have actually been out there, kind of with the punters, you know, it keeps it uh, fresh. And well, I mean, you
0: know, you're aware that you have to deliver. Really, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just a just a healthy reminder that you've got an obligation, <laughs> really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering because because of your career, as I'm, you know, sort of scrolling through your your body of work here in my sort of digital compendium. <laughs> Um, I, I marvel at your output, number one. But I also, when you're moving from from project to project, I mean, I know that it's more concerted than that. You're not sort of flitting flitting around. But at the end of the day, um, do you do you at some point when you're back with uh, with Swerve Driver, the lads, as it were, do, do you have, do, do you ever sort of take a step back and pinch yourself and say, "Flippin', we're still doing this because oh, it's yeah. been a bloody long time."
6: Yeah, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, you think about it. So, some of the contemporaries you had back then, and some bands that only lasted two years, or some bands lasted, like, one summer or whatever, you know,
2: Yeah.
6: and, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that we're still doing, you know, and it's not like we've sort of changed into something else, I mean, I think, you know, it has hopefully sort of moved on, and it's moved around, it's just back and forth, you know, but I think that, I think that when we did start doing stuff with Swoat again, I mean, one difference between, you know, some sort of 2014 or whatever it might have been, as opposed to, you know, 1998, was I think that, at the end of the 90s, just we, we kind of went on hiatus, you know, we, <coughs> excuse me, we, um, we sort of lost the mojo, you know. and like, I remember doing some recording of a song, probably after 1993, we were just in the studio trying to get something do something, you know, get the song together and it came to a point in the song and somebody said, well, you know, what should we do here? And then somebody said, well, I guess just go, wow, you know, stepping on the wall or whatever. And we were all kind of laughing, we like, yeah, but that's, you know, we do this eight years now, perhaps we should be moving on, you know, so we kind of put everything down for what ended up being 10 years essentially. Yeah. But I think now, but now we appreciate what, you know, sort of got the music is and sometimes it's like, Hey, a sweatshirt. We can just go. You know, you can just do the things that <laughs> yeah. you can't be accused of ripping off anybody else because you're going to
0: rip it off yourself. Father. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's something that you cannot be accused of. That's that's a racing certainty. And and being a self being a selfish bugger. Um, just wondering. Um, aside from South by Southwest, which I, I, I gather is sort of booked, is there any chance of seeing you on these these shows in 2019?
6: Yeah, there's. There's going to be a tour that kind of, you know, goes around that south by southwest uh, appearance.
0: Okay, um, good, good,
6: good. I mean, dates still haven't been confirmed, but I think they should be confirmed, you know, quite soon, like in the next week or something.
0: Yeah, well, it's coming around quite soon, so they better get yeah. back together.
6: Well, that's absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we have one show with probably with David Warholes at Brixton Academy on Fed first, and then uh, and then the next thing will be the um, sort of a, a US tour, yeah.
0: Brilliant, and and any chance of Canada? I, I guess it's, 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 it's a question you probably can't answer at this junction. An unfair question to ask, but uh, we, we, we live well, in we live in hope. Yeah, I mean,
6: Toronto always gets to the that Montreal usually. You're
0: Ottawa, are you? Yeah, I, I usually have to drive to Montreal a couple of hours to, to go to major gigs. It's just it's right. just how it is Ottawa's a bit of a uh, bit of a dowager being the uh, being the capital here. It's not exactly uh, a cultural epicenter like Toronto and Montreal. Yeah, I'm, I'm
6: trying to think if you've played there or when you've
0: you played there. You have, yeah, you've yeah. you, you, you definitely played here. I've, I've interviewed you on a couple of occasions here and in Montreal yeah. as well, but I'm trying to remember if it was, a, I don't think it was 98th, I think it was Ejector Seat you played Ottawa. Oh, right. And the last oh, really. time I actually interviewed you, but not saw you, but interviewed you, was at, uh, that was at uh, 99th Dream Tour, but uh, yeah, yeah you, you have not been to Ottawa for a long while. I'm trying to remember who's... I you mean, was... we, we, we,
6: uh, we, uh, we, we do have uh, Canadian management so there's yeah. So that's
0: it's always more likely to be on the cards, but not yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. I've got someone to uh, to bother and bug and, and harass now. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, do it, yeah. Great. And and, and <laughs> with with regards to other works, I, I won't keep you much much longer. But of course, there's there's bolts and to- Toshak seems to be put to bed. But am I wrong in that department? Is is there anything that you're doing aside from Swerve Driver that might get rekindled? Is there anything that that <laughs> you you've, you've got on this to do list of yours, or is it just stay tuned?
6: No, there is, there it to be this really, I suppose. I mean, there, you know, there, there was an idea of doing another The last album was called The Black Horses, and there was a plan to do this thing called White Horses. Um, but, but since then, there's also, you know, there's a bunch of sort of like kind of more keyboardy things, which is kind of in the realm of Toshak Highways. So,
0: yeah, yeah.
6: You know, there has been sort of like, there have been murmurings about kind of approaching that again, you know. I mean, I think the biggest problem with Toshak Highway is just the pronunciation of the name you know, outside of the UK, because uh, in North America generally it was Toshak Highway.
2: Yeah,
0: Toshak, maybe, Toshak Freeway.
6: Yeah. <laughs> and then we got to like Michigan or something, it was Toshak, which was even more extreme. Yeah.
0: But, I'm, sure, um, I'm sure John would be completely uh, bamboozled <laughs> by that one.
6: <laughs> yeah, I think he pretty would be, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there is a bunch of stuff which, you know... Yeah, because um, I, I think when you do something as well, you know, you record an album or something, and you know, and it's good some sort sub of done and everything. But then you know, I think you kind of want to do something a bit different, you know. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think in in, in the next in, the, in this coming year, in between uh, you know swirl driver stuff, I mean, I'd like to get this kind of this thing together.
0: I mean, it'd be wonderful. Again, I just had to ask because again, just 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 go back just in time to Toshak Highway. I've never asked you this question. Never asked anyone this question in, involved with the band at all, actually. But, but obviously the name we know, being you know, a Liverpool fan myself, and, and but no, but, but, no, was, but are you are you a football fan, Liverpool fan? I, I don't even I don't even know your football affiliations. Yeah,
6: no, I'm a I'm a Liverpool
0: fan. Yeah, Fair yeah. play yeah. to you, sir. So you <laughs> must be fairly chuffed at the moment. Oh, absolutely! I went
6: mean, I, up to Anfield today to the uh, Napoli uh,
0: game. Oh, superb! Nice yeah. one. Yeah.
6: But, I mean, my my, my football affiliation—it's a wayward story. But I was, you know, born in Bitternicky, of a father who was born in Fulham. So the '75 <laughs> Cup Final it was Fulham versus West Ham. Everybody in Essex fought West Ham. Yeah. That was the first game I ever watched. That was I obligatory.
0: Obligatory Hammers in Essex is just full of iron, isn't it? It's full of it. <laughs> oh, Absolutely.
6: Yeah. So then at school, everyone's was like, oh, "West Ham's going to win," and then Fulham lost. And, and then the next, but then by the time the next season started, that summer we moved, my family moved to Oxford because my dad's work. And then I remember watching match of the day with him on a Saturday night and there was a team wearing the same strip as Fulham and they were beating West Ham 4-0. I was like, I like this <laughs> team. And I was like, Dad, is this Fulham? Like, no, sir, so this is Liverpool. Because Liverpool were wearing... White, white and black. Shirts, white and
0: black, and, and black with red and yellow trim. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely so stuff. So
6: it's kind of revenge and
0: Fulham's revenge. <laughs> Okay. So that's the story. Well, either way, uh, you're Red Brethren. That's fantastic. It's it's, it's just good to know. It's just good to know. How about you? Well, yeah, I've been been a lifelong fan. I was sort of brought up in the Granada sort of viewing area. So when you're up there, you choose your North Western team and you stick with them. And I was the only one who chose, you know, start and support. Liverpool really got really into it when I was about the 74 Cup final, against Newcastle. And then, does, yeah, there's no looking back after that. And um, obviously, we've uh, gone through thick and thin. But now, yeah. now we've got things to smile about.
6: Well, absolutely. I mean, I just saw that uh, Andy Robertson has signed on for um, delighted after you know, five years, and uh, he's fantastic. You know? I mean, like I wish... it's so great to have like, a Scott a in there. You know, kind of unassuming, cost eight eight million from Hull or whatever. When he went down to Anfield, his dad is a Liverpool fan. Yeah. Well, no, he's a he's a Kenny Dalglish fan. He's yeah. A Celtic. Celtic fan. Yeah. So yeah. So so Andy was able to introduce his dad to, to King Kelly, You know. So, you it's know, it's, it's just
0: story. one of those great stories. And he's I've always yeah. said Liverpool. You know, we just need more ugly Scots and more perms just to, to exactly. start dominating, and yeah. then then we're in business again. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to ask in relation to, to before before when we talked upon uh, about. Um, uh, new media. I want to touch upon Bandcamp and 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 streaming and, and etc. Because yeah. we talked about your social media presence, and you know, all us fans love getting the, the intermittent emails from you with your updates. You know, because you're very very uh, you're very very thorough. You don't leave us waiting. You know, if something's delayed, you give us a good reason for it. It's always good. It's always good to to, to, to keep in touch with the likes of uh, the fan base. But yeah. you're, you're a band. You've been around for a long time, and. You're an artist. I understand that implicitly, but of course, there's the business side of things, and you're not a charity. And you know, we all know that that, that uh, m- you know merch and, and touring is, is the prime mover of, of making money nowadays for the majority of bands. But yeah. wh- what's your? Because th- I believe right now, after having been a rep for many many years and getting off that wagon, as I c- could foresee the music industry changing sort of irreversibly and not not for the better, to be frank. And I think we're still in a period of flux right now, whereby. If you're someone uh, who has a Spotify account who doesn't care about the physical product like most millennials do, it's a hell of a deal to be able to spend seven quid a month and listen to anything that you want. But Mm. how is that sustainable for the artist? Well, of course, the simple answer is no. But I just wanted to know if you had any sort of succinct or any thoughts on that because it's a it's a wholly unfair playground right now. Yeah, I mean, I think
6: you know, I mean, I I mean, for what it is, for for you know the the concept of somebody making music and wanting other people to hear that music, it's never been a better time, you know, because you can, you know, you might be like in a psych rock band in, in, in San Paolo or something, you know, yeah. and you record your song and you want, you know, uh, and you upload the Bandcamp, and then somebody in Leicester can hear it, you know, straight away. I and mean, that is, you know, just...
0: That's mar- that is is mind-blowing, absolutely. But yeah. the, the monetization aspect is the stumbling block. Yeah,
6: yeah. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean... I mean, it is great. I mean, it's just weird as well as being great that you can almost access, you know, almost all the music in the world on on Spotify for, for dollars ten ninety nine a month or whatever. You know, mind blowing. Because because it is very thorough, you know, like you know, sort of like you know, you get into like kind of uh, weird Italian soundtrack music or something, and that's a a, a kind of um, a wormhole you can go down on on Spotify because so much stuff is on there, but I mean, I mean, it is just, it's kind of like shocking when you hear about kind of Spotify executives sort of like uh, making a million, a, you know, whatever a year or something, you know? well, That's just their bonus. I
0: mean, that's their bonus, that's their bonus. That's not the salary. yeah, 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 yeah. Really? it's crazy.
6: I you- mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a very strange time. I mean, like, well, you know, we, with this album, because we did this pledge campaign, I mean, yeah, the pledges should, should get the album first, you know, so... Yeah. We decided a month before release, they would receive and download the album. And uh, the month before release was the 25th, uh, 25th of December, Yeah. Christmas Day, so we thought, perfect, you know, Christmas morning, everyone can get to hear the album, which is great, you know. But, of course, within a few days, it was like, somebody had posted the whole album onto YouTube. as well. like, hang on, no, no, you can't just post the whole thing, the body, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you
0: know,
6: I mean, it'll all end up there in the end. But, um, yeah, but for it's that, a tr- you know, I mean, the thing is vinyl, you know, and any physical uh, purchasing costs so much, doesn't it? You know, I mean, it's great to buy an, you know, an album. When people buy albums, they had 20 or 40 years ago or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, an album's 20 quid or whatever. It's, kind of, it's it's just a really, the whole thing's skewed, isn't it? Because you can pay 20 pounds or, or 25 dollars for the, the vinyl version. The music is really what you're most interested in. I mean, you can get that for for nothing as long as you've got good speakers and good That's ads it. and it's going to sound great
0: anyway. So it's kind of crazy told. Yeah. It is. It, um, it's not Brexit-esque or Trump-esque, but it, for the music industry, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the equivalent. And I think there's a lot of turmoil before it sort of settles down to, to some kind of fairness. We'll have to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I mean, because the whole thing
6: is like video games which are called massive sellers. And the thing about video games is they're so complex that they can't really be bootlegs,
0: you know. That's so, it, yeah. You know, but I mean, music's just, that's what it is, really. That's no, a flat file, MP3 or a WAV file, yeah. and it's uploaded in 15 yeah, exactly. seconds, and some guy in Namibia's got it as soon as you've yeah. sent it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 just curiously, stupid question here, but you, when's the last time you ever had socks on the rider? <laughs> uh, well, we should have socks on the rider more often,
6: actually, yeah, I think it's been a long time. You know, I think probably going back to the 90s, I, I guess there was, there was more money in the music industry. Than <laughs> I guess, <but. laughs>
0: well, I think I think just, just as everything else has developed, you know, socks have come a long way in the last 20 years as well. I mean, you know, if you, I always say uh, a, a decent pair of socks and Grundy's and you're halfway home, you know, in terms of being comfortable. But it's, so. fun, it's a funny thing. Because when we were mixing this out, you
6: know, we were in the studio with John Cattery, who was mentioned before, yeah. Alan Boulden's protégé. How do I? And... And he'd taking his shoes off, and somebody I looked at his feet and said, "Are those uh, um, old socks? Because there's a company called Old Socks, and a few Christmases ago, my mum bought me these socks, and they're called Old Socks because they're all, you know, it doesn't matter if you get mixed up because there's only one of each. Like you get kind of like you know, ten or like five pairs or whatever, Brilliant. but each one is the, <laughs> of the ten is different, you know, and." Uh, I said, child, I said, yeah, yeah. He said, "What you heard of them?" He said, "That's
0: actually my sister-in-law's company." I'm like, "No way." That's yeah, so. immense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so socks. I mean, so, yeah, socks. are, are, are culturally country relevant. I just wanted to chuck that out there. And <laughs> I've got two two questions left for you. And what one's a, one's trivial. It's, it's, it's going to happen in a second. But but I was just going to ask you if you could kindly, if you could curate three songs for me to play around the interview. Usually, I choose them myself, of course. But I was hoping you. Could uh, choose a couple of future ruins and then then one from from the entire back catalogue that you could choose. Oh, okay, um, so one, two
6: from future ruins. Yeah, please. Um, well, uh, perhaps future ruins itself, part
0: of the title track. There's not a bad track. I mean, there's no wrong answer here. Just just if it's curated, it's just an awful lot better that you chosen. I mean, I'm only
6: going. I guess my favourite album is the next song, The Ascending, so that would be the, one for the next one i
0: would choose. Really? That's that's your favourite song? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're all... They all have a, a special place, it's just curious to know that that's, that's your favourite. And what would you do from the back cap there for a, a, a swervy song that we could wrap this up with? Well, let's... Uh, let's
6: go with uh, The Watchmaker's Hands, or Excellent. Hands, which is on the... Excellent. There was that feeling. Crikey, nice one.
0: Great, that's got me sorted. And Adam, this last question is is what I ask everybody and always have done, uh, and I've even took it to the point where I've got this very intricate artistic infographic that articulates the sort of score. And what it is, is hypothetically, uh, you're in Ottawa, you're at my place, you've got a hot bevy in your hand, and uh, I come out of the pantry with the magic biscuit tin and pose the simple question... (laughs) What would you choose, past, present, or future? Even being that you are sci-fi and you are a driver, you could go in the future. And um, what, bi- <laughs> what, Bicky, would you plump for? Which, which, bicky? Yeah. What, Bicky, would you choose if you had complete carte blanche to say that magic biscuit tin is going to render me this biscuit right now?
6: Is it a biscuit upon which to put cheese or anything?
0: Well, I think the cheese and crackers thing probably pushes the boundaries. Although, honest to goodness that's another a very important thing. The word biscuit itself has different connotations. In America, yeah. <laughs> of course, it has to be the cookie question. In Australia, we our Biscuits are, are, and gravy, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> biscuits and gravy in the deep south. We're gonna have some grits with it as well. So, I mean, if you want if you want to sort of push the envelope, you can. If you want to say Jacob's cracker, it kinda counts. Although I suspect suspect oh, that's probably not I mean, it. See,
6: but you were actually
0: talking about cookies, right? Yeah, bickies. Like, just oh. proper, you know, I'm talking hobnobs, I'm talking digestives, I'm talking uh, bourbons, you know.
6: Well, I mean, I mean, hoplums are fantastic,
0: aren't they? Well, hoplums are like a Volkswagen. They're just reliable and you can't go wrong with them.
6: Well, I mean, on the on the, um, the cracker angle, but it's a mixture of the two, really, because, you know, I mean, obviously, you put cheese onto like a, uh, uh, a cracker or a cracker
0: sort of car's... Yeah, a car's water biscuit, yeah.
6: Well, I think that, you know, sometimes cheese on a sort of digestive type biscuit or a food is, yeah, they're slightly sweet. You've, biscuits. You've, that's brilliant. Kind of. so
0: they are. They are because my gran, my whole mum's side are from Yorkshire, uh, and and right. my gran used to have Wensleydale on digested biscuits. oh
6: there you go. That's
0: that is an absolute winner. Yeah. That's a belter. It really is. So, 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 can I confidently put you down for a digestive? Yeah,
6: put
0: me down for a digestive. Okay, yeah. and
6: I'll send I'll send you the infographic when I've when I've updated it. But, uh, I mean, but uh, Digest it with uh, uh, sort of Camembert in parentheses because Camembert
0: I digested' it is something else. Well, I, t- I tell you what, you've got you've got me. I'm going to be and the next cheese I'm buying. I just bought some Gouda yesterday, so my next lot's going to be Camembert. I'm going to give it a whirl.
6: Going
0: to yeah. give that whirl. It'll, it'll be <laughs> called. It'll be called the Franklin. Is what it'll be called. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> But thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I know that the audience is going to get a massive kick out of this because the listeners love Swerve Driver, as do I, and uh, um, myself and countless thousands of others are so chuffed that this record is out and that you're still around and hoping to see you in the summer.
6: Thank you so much sir.
0: I think it's fairly safe to say you're getting your money's worth this week, aren't you? My thanks, my huge thanks to Adam. Thank you, sir, for uh, all your candor and uh, and the banter that we've just experienced. It was a, a great chat, and I hope you lot uh, enjoyed it as much as I. If you don't like swerve driving now, what on earth's wrong with you? You either love them before having heard this interview, or you will now be indoctrinated completely. Now, here's hands, one last swerve driver track, as chosen by Adam, the B-side to never lose that feeling, a single that came out in Creation Records in 1992. <laughs> with hands and so ends episode 112 of near perfect pitch my immense thanks to you for listening and my huge thanks go to mr adam franklin swerve driver and the digestive coated with camembert I'll be back next week for another instalment, and in the meantime, I'd be very grateful if you would kindly pass on the coordinates of near-perfect pitch to all your friends who either, A, could use some decent music in their lives, or like decent music and just haven't discovered the programme yet. I'd be immensely grateful if you could spread the word. All the best, back next week with uh, another cracking interview and a whole load of songs, no doubt, that will tickle your fancy. All the best. ta